It would be one thing if I could sit down, but then it wouldn't be a very good sermon. <laughs> Those are yours. <laughs> Very good. This is quite an unusual time. A Miss Pastor, he's not an easy person to follow. He's a scholar, he knows the scripture, he loves the Lord, and most of all, he loves all of us. That's the hardest thing. <laughs> But as we come today, we're coming here, this is Palm Sunday. This is the event that occurred prior to, a week prior to the crucifixion. And as we begin, let's unite our hearts in prayer. Father, how thankful we are that you have given us this opportunity, this responsibility, this privilege to gather together to understand, to interpret, and to live your word. Guide us now that we might learn more and be more like you. In his name, amen. Well, Palm Sunday, one of the better accounts, I think, is in Matthew. They drew near to Jerusalem, and they came to Bethphage. Jesus sent two disciples unto the mount, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find a donkey tied and a colt with her. You shall find the donkey tied and colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Now that's a very unusual situation. A donkey with a fresh colt, bring them to me, and he's going to be riding on that colt. An unbroken animal, an animal that has never done that. Yet he's the Lord, the creator. And if any man say unto you, you, what are you doing? You shall say, the Lord has needed them. And straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. And that was in Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes unto you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a, a donkey, the colt, the fold of a donkey. So this was a fulfillment. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude cut down branches from the trees and strewed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved. And they said, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So this is our beginning. It's Palm Sunday. And I consider it a real honor and a privilege to be here, to be speaking in place of pastor. But it's also quite humbling. 
We have a pastor who is very much in love with the Lord, who is dedicated to him, and who has knowledge of the scriptures, both in the Greek and in the Hebrew. And he's progressing. And I always find a challenge from him to deepen my understanding in what he has presented. As we mentioned, this first one was Palm Sunday. Note the one thing that was missing in this. He was coming as their king, and he was coming according to the method that was appropriate. Kings never came riding on a horse except as they conquered. The king who came riding on the donker was assuming the position that was already his. He didn't have to win it. He came in peace by riding on the fold, the, the colt of a donkey. This one was never broken. If you've ever been around a horse or a donkey that has never had training, you don't go sit on them comfortably. They will rebel. Now, the second event that we're looking here is the presenting of presentation as Christ of the Godhead, no beginning, no end. So we'll be looking today a lot into John chapter 1, particularly verses 1 to 13. We start out by saying, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Threefold declaration that this one, Christ, who this is referring to, is God. The Word, Word was with God, and the Word was absolutely God. There was an origin, and that origin goes back into eternity past when they established the relationship between themselves. This stresses on the name, men number the stars. God calls the stars by their name. He also knows where they are. He created them and put them in there. So when we come to this John chapter 1, it's speaking of the God who has created the universe. And we stand in awe. Is there anything too hard for our God? Is there anything too impossible for him? Is there anything beyond his knowledge? Whenever the origin was, we don't know, the beginning, he was already in existence. Think of that. He has no beginning. He has no end. We have a specific beginning, and some of us have a very specific end. Some almost shortly after birth, some at 10 years, 40 years, 80 years, even 114 years. But as man is born into this world, there is a time limit. And there is a time when we will pass. What we do, what do we know about this creator? He is one God who has manifested himself in three separate distinct persons. One God, one creator, three persons. We've called them, and they are revealed in scriptures as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Angels were created beings. 
God was not. He created all the angels, he created all the universe, and he created us. Now think of that, he created the angels, and there was a time when a group of those angels rebelled against his lordship and against his Godhead. What happened? Some of them were put in chains reserved for everlasting fire to come. Others are still free to go around but under the control of Satan, who was the leader. Can you imagine? Here you've had the presence of God. You've seen his power. You've seen his glory. You've had all of his provision. And yet you choose to rebel. Are we any different? Think about the last time God challenged you to do something. Did you raise objections? Did you say, oh, no, I'm the wrong one, Lord. Go after that one. No, he picked us for a particular purpose. When they rebelled, then they had a new leader, a fallen leader, one whom we know today as Satan, the Antichrist possibly in the future. But they had a large group. Some of them are reserved in chains for everlasting torment in the future. But God has called us as his children. Who chose us, God? or us. He chose us. Even before the foundation of the world, he knew each one of us particularly, specifically, and knowing all of our failures and faults, he still chose us in love, having predestinated us to be conformed to his image. It seems to indicate in scriptures that approximately one-third of the created angels took their leadership from Satan, rebelled against God, and fell. They went from light to darkness. We were in darkness, and God has called us and brought us into his light, and now requires us to live as children of the light, to think of children as the light, and to be his children. Satan continued his rebellion to the true God. And he is now known as the accuser of the brethren. So be aware, he has a wonderful G2 organization. That's the intelligent agency. He knows everything that we do because he has a continuous report flowing in. And what does he do with that information? He stands before God and he accuses us. 1 John chapter 2. He comes and he accuses us, and what does the son say? Father, that's one of our children. God the Father says to Satan, case dismissed, you have no claim. Then he takes it up and disciplines us as children. Far better that we respond quickly, because the more we resist, the more God will put it on us until we come to the point where we agree with him and say, okay, Lord, that was wrong. And we eventually will come to that point. Far better to do it early and enjoy fellowship. Nothing has ever occurred to God. Think of that. He's always known everything that was going to happen, when it was going to happen, who was involved, and the consequence. 
Sometimes as parents, we wish we had that knowledge with our children, don't we? (laughs) To know what they're thinking and to anticipate. Now, how is the evil one today trying to keep us in bondage? Well, now think of the creation. It was complete, and now we've fallen. He brings questions onto the nature of God, his plan, and his purpose. How many times have we run into things and we run into the evolutionary concept? Long periods of time, chance, no design, no creator. We run into many things that the natural man wants to believe, but they're contrary to what God has said. He wants us to continue in our rebellion to the true God. What are some of the some questions that challenge God's record? Number one, age of the earth. Number two, how could this earth exist looking as old as it does and being as young as what the scripture says? That's a real challenge to our faith. We're being deceived to believe that the earth is millions, maybe even billions of years old that it all came about by chance, that there was no design. We see the earth in the condition it is today, and it's hard for us to imagine how it was perfect at the beginning. The first man, the first woman, created by God in the Garden of Eden, a perfect environment. Nothing wrong, nothing to tempt them until Satan came along and tempted them. When they fell, they lost everything. So if we're looking today, are we allowing some of the world's thoughts to come into our thinking about this age, about this world? Are we being deceived by Satan to think of the long ages of time? And the earth couldn't possibly be that old because it would have fallen apart. But that's the temptation. All Satan needs is long periods of time with nothing going on and no one controlling it, except God does control it. And it may appear to be old, just like some of us look older than we actually are, and some that look younger than they actually are. But we are God's appointed age and time. We need to be aware that our enemy is the deceiver of the world. Now in John chapter 1, we see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we have a threefold description of him. He was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Three persons united in one. Now we have three persons many times, and we're three separate individuals, but in God, they share one. Verse 2 says, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made by him. And without him, not anything that was made was made. Now that refers to Jesus Christ. He is the agent of the creation of the universe and the world. He is God who then became incarnate to die for us. Verse 4, it says, In him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. So Christ is the light, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not respond to it. What's the difference between light and darkness? Well, one you can see in very easily, and darkness you can't see. We are all in darkness, spiritually, sometimes physically, but we can come to the light. The light will draw us. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness did not respond to it. It did not put it out. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are discerned by means of the Spirit. So cheer up. As you talk to people who are unbelievers, just realize there's nothing in them to respond to the truth. But God the Holy Spirit will act as a spirit and bring them to the truth and allow them to come to know what is the truth. How do we know what is the truth? First of all, it must be in the Bible, must be related to Christ, and must be accepted as truth, not questioned as truth. In verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now John is the author of this particular part of the scripture. He was one of the disciples, probably the youngest of them, and probably the one that lived longest, and also the one who was not a martyr. He lived to a very old age, suffered a lot, but he was still God's messenger for his time. We, by faith in Christ, now become God's messengers to those about us. We are to be an open book for everybody to look at. Some of us, myself included, we may have secrets that we don't want anybody else to know. Maybe only our spouse or very close friends. But God knows every spot, every particle of our life. And he wants to use it for his glory. We are to be the witnesses of the light, just as John was. John and the 12 apostles, and then as time went on, the rest of us became those lights to the world. What does light do? Well, it chases away darkness, it causes things to grow, it provides strength, stability, and encouragement. Have you ever been lost in the dark? Yeah. You're stumbling over things that you can't see. You may be hearing things that really aren't there, but because of the dark, you're being deceived into believing them. Remember it says that all things were made by him, by Christ. And without him was not anything made that was made. So the attempt to remove God as the creator from the creation exposes us to error and false teaching. Long ages, 
countless death and dying. No. Death and dying didn't come in until sin entered the world, and then that was a consequence of that sin, not a part of our normal existence. It says in verse, chapter, in uh, John there, he was in the world, the world was made by him, but the world knew him not. And that was their choice, not to know him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But what is the hope for us? But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believed in his name. Now, as we think of the attacks of Satan coming in, what's one of them? That this world has been around for thousands, millions of years. That by the slow chance events, everything we see today has come to be. What's wrong with that problem? It ignores God. It ignores his power. It ignores specifically what he says in the scripture. It says that he flung the stars into space. He hung them in their specific place. He named every one of the stars. We number them today. We couldn't keep track of them by name. God tracks each one of us by name, by relationship, and his desire for us is to be united with him in Christ. And the promise that comes down there in the end is he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. And the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father." So that's the difference for us. We've come to the light, we've trusted in Christ, and now we have new life, an abundant life, a fruitful life, a great life. Not without troubles, not without trials. It's quite a privilege for us as believers to come and to know God. Now, we also saw that we had Palm Sunday. That was important because that was when Christ was coming to be presented as the legitimate claim to the throne of David. And he came in, and it says in Zechariah, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes unto you. He is just, having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey, the fold of a cult. In John, in other words, in the New Testament, it's recorded what actually happened. The disciples were sent and told, you're going to come into the city, and as soon as you go in there, there's, you're going to find a donkey tied with its mother. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone asks you, well, he knew they were going to be asked because an untrained, undisciplined, unbroken donkey is nothing you want to get on right away. And yet, when that came into the presence of Christ, 
instantly its nature was changed. He was able to get on that donkey, ride into Jerusalem, and then people were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, that we would be those ones that when they see us coming, they say, blessed is the one who is coming in the name of the Lord. God has called us. God has delivered us. He's given us the opportunity to walk in fellowship with him. We are not to run ahead of God, nor are we to drag our feet waiting for him. He has the perfect plan, and our job is to fall into conformity to what he has taught us. Can you imagine being the disciples, sitting around with Jesus? He's perfect, we aren't. And yet, we sometimes go ahead of him. Even the disciples had a hard time believing all that Jesus said. Who was it after the resurrection that said, unless I can put my finger in the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So what did Christ do? He appealed to him and he says, come, put your, hands, put your finger in my hands, thrust your hand into my side. What did he do? He fell down and he said, Lord, I believe. <laughs> we do not have that privilege of being able to go and see that event we have the opportunity to believe, receive, grow, and be prosperous. Go into the village next to you. God had prepared that time. God has a desire for us, a design for us, and a blessing for us. The first blessing is if you're here and you've never had that time of personally being related to Christ, his desire for you is to come into that relationship. After that is to be obedient in believer's baptism. Secondly, then to grow in grace and in truth. None of us are born adults. Well, wouldn't that be something? Could you imagine being an OBGYN and you're in the delivery room and instead of a baby comes out, there's this full-grown human. Poor mom. <laughs> <laughs> but they come as babes entrusted to us as parents to teach them, encourage them, and train them. Likewise, as believers, when we come to know Christ, God wants to train us, discipline us, and fit us for his service and glory. I don't know what God may have done for you in your life, I don't know what he may have planned for you, but first you must be willing to be obedient, not questioning in obedience. So can we be like those disciples, in awe and wondering, who is this one that is called the Christ? And then go with the donkey, and he sits down on that donkey who has never been ridden, never been broken. That speaks a lot of his nature. He could tame the wildest of beasts instantly by his presence. And how many of us that know the Lord can look back on our lives and see, yep, Lord, you had to do something great and wonderful and marvelous beyond our comprehension. I hope we never lose the wonder of that.
Now, if you're here today and you've never come to that point of knowing Christ as your Savior, that's the first step. Then comes the commandment of God to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. It's not like a Petri dish that you put out and you don't know what you're going to get. God says, when you accept him, you have the Holy Spirit living within you, enabling you to fulfill his will, his will, and his word. Shall we unite our hearts again in prayer? Father, we are truly thankful that you have given us this opportunity to be here today. We would pray for Pastor and Ariel as they're traveling home, that you would give them safety, that you would prepare them again to be of use for you here. For those today that will be in the new members class, that you would direct them into areas of ministry and service that you would have for them. Grant that your spirit would correct, convict, and direct us. That in all things, Christ might be glorified. Pray it in his name. Amen. Good. Thank you for all being here. Thank you. <laughs>